0: All right, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Mariners Pod, great to have you with us. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope you're planning on enjoying this week. It looks like it's going to be gorgeous this week. So that's great. Uh, Mariners took on Colorado over the weekend. We're going to break it down. Coming up in just a few minutes, highlights coming yesterday with Justice Sheffield. We'll get to that in just a moment. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, Shannon Dreyer sat down with Jared DeHart, assistant hitting coach. It's a really good conversation. So we're going to play that back. Also, coming up this week, look for a conversation uh, with me and Aaron and Jared Kelnick. That was pretty fun. So that will come up this week uh, Pete Woodworth as well a uh, nice long conversation with the new Mariners hitting coach uh, new Mariners pitching coach as we get to know him a little bit so that's going to come up this week as well so it's a jam-packed Mariners pod this week. We'll start off though with the weekend the Mariners taking on one of the big surprises in Major League Baseball the Colorado Rockies who have played great and the Mariners saw that firsthand. Colorado winning game one of the series on Friday, 8-4. to Even though Kikuchi pitched pretty well in that one, they feasted on the bullpen, extended the lead, and put that one away. And then were one hit on Saturday, 5 nothing. It's weird to see Colorado, a team that they have finished either 14th, 15th, or 16th in ERA in the National League 20 times. Just seven times they have finished outside the bottom three. And, you know, only twice have finished half eighth which is pretty amazing Well, maybe not that amazing given Coors Field but they're in the top uh, two in the National League in area so far this season and they can still hit so they're just playing you know early obviously early in games played but uh, playing some great baseball and we saw it over the weekend but On Sunday, Justice Sheffield taking center stage, and he had his best start in a Mariners uniform. He was excellent.
1: Now the stretch and the 3-2 on the way to McMahon. Swing and a miss for strike three. Got him with a breaking ball down and away, and that will retire the side. Strikeout number five, and for Justice, his biggest strikeout of the afternoon.
0: Yeah, racked up some Ks pitching into the sixth inning. Two outs and a 2-2 pitch.
2: Sheffield deals. Off-speed pitch outside corner. He took it. He knew it. Strike three called. Seven strikeout for Justice Sheffield. Six strong innings.
0: Yeah, six innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts for Sheffield in the ball game. Grabbed his first major league win along the way. Also got some offensive support early in this one. Here's the
1: pitch, swung on, fly ball deep into right center field. Blackman going back to the one, he tracked to the wall, goodbye baseball. Opposite field, Dylan Moore with his third home run of the season. It comes with Crawford aboard and right away the Mariners are on the board. It's the Mariners 2 and the Rockies nothing here in the bottom of the first inning and what a drive by Moore.
0: So Colorado made a run back late, but Mariners hold on for the 5-3 win, snapping the three-game losing streak. The M's had lost 7-8 of eight before the win yesterday, so Mariners claim victory 5-3. to three. They take out Colorado, and now on the road tonight in Texas to take on the Rangers. This is going to be a tough road trip. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a theme of the season, given the schedule, but... Texas for three, Houston for three, the Dodgers for two, and then back home to face the Dodgers for two more. So uh, Houston and the Dodgers, not easy back-to-back, although Houston not playing their best baseball right now. In fact, it's weird to look at the standings in the West because the A's, I mean, they've won nine in a row, 12-4, and just rolling a ton of close games in there. But then it's just a jumble. You have Texas 6-8. and They've won three in a row. You have Houston six and nine. They've lost five in a row. You have the Mariners six and 11. And then you have the Angels in last at five and 11. It's just weird to look at every team below 500 except for the A's who are just sprinting to the start of this one. They've already built a five-game lead. You know, usually in a situation in 16 games, you wouldn't put much stock into a five-game lead. But it starts to really put some pressure on some other teams when, you know, in a week or so, we're going to be talking about the trade deadline and then we're into September. And, you know, so a five-game lead, even at this point, just 15 games or so in, that's significant. Meanwhile, Colorado leading the NL West over the Dodgers by just half game, but they're playing great. It's it's weird, the standings so far. You have Miami leading the East at 7-3. and three. Uh, They've had a strange season, obviously. If the playoffs started today, I mean, Detroit would be in the mix. Uh, they'd be in. Baltimore would be right there as well. So, unexpected start for a few teams in Major League Baseball, to say the least. We'll continue to watch how it plays out. But given uh, the start yesterday, why don't we hear from Justice Sheffield on his start?
1: congrats on the uh, on the first win. Uh, what, what does it mean to get that for you? Uh, means everything.
3: Means the world, honestly. Uh. You know, not only just for myself, but, um, you know, to come out and uh, finish the series with a win before we get on the flight, um, you know, that's always great. So, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, uh, happy and excited about that.
4: Justice, you faced 22 batters, had uh, 16 first pitch strikes, and you never had a 2-0 count. Do you remember an outing where you were that efficient?
3: Um, I'm sure I have one in there sprinkled somewhere. But honestly, uh, after my outing, I, I look, look back on it, um, you know, that night, the next day. And then after that, I flush it and get back to work and look forward to the next one. So, um, you know, I was, I was able to execute the plan today. So, um, you know, that was great.
0: But
4: ideally, that's what you prefer going forward is to, to work ahead like that and just seem like you didn't have, you weren't pitching from behind very often.
3: Yeah, right. Um, You know, I was able to land my uh, secondary pitches for strikes. Uh, That was a big talk of last week um, and was able to do that today, Uh, put in the work for it. And, you know, it was good to see that outcome. How good did that slider feel today? Felt really good. Um, Like I said, was able to land it in the zone and then was able to start it in the zone and and, and work its way out, um, you know, for strikeout counts. um, you know, just got to continue to work on it. Uh, that was the main focal point this week and uh, being able to land it. So uh, that was good to see.
4: Yeah, you're at 91. How how did you feel in that sixth inning? I mean, a start from now, can you push it up to over 100? How, how did you feel arm-wise and, and strength-wise?
3: Yeah, I felt great. I felt like I could have kept going. Um, you know, hopefully in my next start, I can, I can go even further. Um, you know, that'll be... That'll be uh, definitely uh, one of my goals, Uh, always pitching deep in the games, Um, you know, giving my team a chance to win. So, um, you know, look forward to doing that next week.
1: As you got out of that fourth with the the punch out on, I think it was McMahon, you showed a little emotion there. Big out there, you you live on the emotion out there and and how big was that out?
3: Yeah, um, you know, it was was very big, uh, just because, you know, we were up to, I had a shutdown inning that uh, third inning and then went out for the fourth and um, you know was able to keep them off the board uh, you know definitely I'm a player that plays with emotion um, and um, I feel like that, j- that just uh, elevates my, my play um, especially in those situations I feel like I lock it in pretty well and um, you know never scare away and, and go right at guys
1: let's talk about dominating the, the zone and, and maybe an extra, extra. Focal point this week. Uh, did you go in thinking that was on front of your mind?
3: Yeah, that was that was it. I knew, uh, you know, that they were a pretty aggressive team, but I also knew that if I was able to land my secondary pitches, I'd be in a good spot um, getting ahead. Uh, so that was that was my main thing: get to two strikes as, as quick as possible and and put them away. Uh, didn't really want to mess around.
1: In the old days, you get you get your first win, they give you a beer shower. did do that one. But we can't see what's going on. It's <laughs> a little different right now.
3: Huh? Yeah, I, I actually lucked out. Uh, you know, COVID, about uh, the only thing good coming out of it was uh, not having to go through the beer shower and mustard and baby powder and all that getting thrown on you. So, um, you know, for the experience, it would have been cool. But, you know, for my my breathing and, and my health's sake, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that we didn't end up doing it. <laughs>
0: And the skipper, Scott Service, on the start yesterday by Sheffield.
2: Wow, awesome. Awesome performance by Chef. Uh Really fun to watch. Uh, I think, you know, see young guys. And we've seen some outings like that, um, you know, leading into this, in, you know, spring training and, and the summer camp. But to see him, you know, perform on a, on a main stage here was awesome to see. And, you know, no walks, six, seven punch outs today in total command for all six innings. He was out there and – you know, the future is very bright uh, for him. So uh, nice uh, to get that first W for him. I think that's his first career win. So uh, really that's, that set the tone. Uh, obviously we've been struggling uh, offensively and to go out there and shut that team down for six innings says a lot uh, today. So, um, you know, offensively uh, Dylan Moore continues to do some damage. We were able to put some runs together there after the air the that they made and some some quality at-bats by, by guys. And I thought Evan White, even though I'm going get hit today, uh, you know, had a couple good at-bats there late in the game. So that, that was great to see. So and I also think Joe Hudson did a nice job behind the plate today. Um, you know, working with Chef, keeping him on point. The key to the whole game today, we talked about it here the last few days, was, you know, dominating the strike zone. Chef was ahead in the count, a lot of first pitch strikes, I think about at least 70% today. Um, and that's really set everything up for him. So, Nice win uh, after a, a rough homestand and hopefully continues on the road. Obviously we've Rocky's got a really good club and to shut them down like chef did today was, was fun to watch.
4: Uh, I think he had uh, 17 first pitch strikes out of 22 batters or 16. He never had a two 0 count at any point in the game. I mean, we've never seen him quite that efficient. I don't think since he's been here.
2: Yeah, I was really focused today uh, and we've been hammering it and we're going to continue to hammer it with our guys. It's, you know, even though we're young and we're inexperienced, the, the game's the game. And the quicker that we can get our guys to trust their stuff early in the count, I don't care who's in the batter's box. Uh, the reason our young guys that are here, they're very talented and we got to get them experienced, but they got to get the right mindset when they take the mound or get in the box. And that is about controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling the strike zone.
1: How good is that slider when he's got it on?
2: It's really good. It is a wipeout pitch. Uh, it's a pitch that, You know, as he continues to get comfortable here, uh, he's able to land it for strikes, take it down and into the righties, um, and it really works off well. You know, his kind of his pitch usage and what he's doing is a little bit different. Um, He's really gone pretty much primarily to the two-seam fastball, living at the bottom of the strike zone. I know in today's game, a lot of people want to ride the ball up at the top of the strike zone, but. You know, you, it's got to be your strength, and we found Chef's strength. It's at the bottom of the strike zone, working the the two-seamer um, and the and the slider, and then some really good changeups in there today as well.
1: He's, he's had some trouble, uh, maybe second, third time through the lineup. It seemed much better there today.
2: Uh, really did. hit the one inning. I think it was the, the fourth. I think it was first and third, and one out. You got the pop up, and then got the punch out afterward. Uh, but other than that, you know, it was in really total command all day. Uh, I loved his presence on the mound I thought he had a, a little a swag to him some confidence he wanted to be out there wanted a ball and here it is hit it and that's the mentality that our young guys need to take all of our guys need to take not just the young guys but here it is hit it you know and, and take our chances there.
1: Yeah, Dylan you, you gave him the day off yesterday maybe regroup just just a bit uh, he came out swinging that's a pretty tough uh, pitcher he, he hit that.
2: Yeah, their, their guy is no uh, walk in the park. Uh, he's got outstanding stuff. You saw the velocity, the breaking balls to go with it. Um, I've often said, you know, the, the starting pitcher, the, the time they're most vulnerable is that first inning before they can get settled in. So uh, Dylan put a good swing on that ball and uh, you know, just enough to, to get over the fence. And, you know, we were hanging on there, but it was nice to get the, the three-run inning, a little cushion there in which we needed, uh, no doubt. But also really key in the ball game is the job that Taylor Williams continues to do for us at the back end of our bullpen um pitched a little bit last night you know the game's kind of on the line there in the eighth inning uh he was our guy to go to and he really executed pitches and it's key uh even him you know, he's, he doesn't have a ton of experience yet in that role and thought he gained a lot today by by closing it out the way he did
0: all right so here we go to texas 605 first pitch tonight from texas and what is maybe the strangest situation for any team texas a brand new ballpark and no one gets a chance to see it. So the Mariners will get their first view of the new ballpark in Texas. Justin Dunn against Kyle Gibson. Tuesday, it's supposed to be Marco Gonzalez against Mike Miner. Miner has had some issues so far this season. We'll see if he gets the go in that one. And then Taiwan Walker against Jordan Lyles in Game 3. All 6.05 starts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then the first off day of the season for the Mariners. It's really been a sprint start this season so far. That will be a welcomed off day before going to Houston to continue the road trip. So next time we talk, it uh, looks like it'll be Wednesday, and we'll have a Jared Kelnick conversation for you, and we'll have a couple games to talk about as well. So that will come up Wednesday. Right now, though, we'll hand things over to Shannon Dreyer. her conversation with the assistant hitting coach, Jared DeHart.
5: Well, DeHart's name might not be familiar to you. Over the last year, many a Mariners hitter would credit him for some of the good work that they were doing. He's taken an interesting path. Just 25 years old, he's younger than most of his hitters. Here's a little bit more on how he made the jump from college to the pros in just a few short years.
4: Yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty strange transition. Honestly, uh, I've been really fortunate, really lucky. Um, so I was, I finished up playing at Tulane University and then um, started coaching there, and. Ended up kind of out of nowhere getting a a Twitter DM from from Andy McKay uh, telling me to reach out to him about an opportunity. And it was, we still joke about it now because it was one of the strangest DMs I've ever received, just kind of like out of nowhere. So uh, it kind of went from there and started working for the Mariners um, in the AZL that summer following the college season. And then after that, last year, I was kind of back and forth between the big leagues and doing some roving stuff in the minor leagues. And then ended up here full time. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a crazy, crazy last couple of years, but I've been really fortunate and I'm really thankful.
5: Had you crossed paths with Andy before?
4: Uh, no, no, I had not. Um, it, was, it was kind of, we, we had some mutual, mutual friends, uh, people that knew each other, and somebody happened to, to drop my name to him. Um, I think it was at some convention or something, and we, they had an opening and we just reached out.
5: Oh, that's wild! It, it's yeah. funny because when you look at your history and you go to Baseball Reference, you actually were teammates with a young Mariner, yeah, as, as well as a very good hitter in the American League. You were teammates with Jake Fraley and Alex Bregman.
4: Yes, yes, I was. Uh, Fraley and I have actually known each other for for a long time. We uh, we played some travel ball together growing up. We we're both from the Northeast, so we crossed paths a lot during all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I played with played with Alex Bregman. Uh, our our Fraley and I's freshman year he's a, he's a really good player
5: so how do you get from player to hitting coach I'm going to guess that you did some deep dives into hitting right now you don't just hit now you study hitting how did you get there what was your path
4: sure yeah so honestly it all kind of started with my own my own quest to try to figure out hitting for myself as I was playing um and you know I, I really dove in pretty hard to just about every uh every rabbit hole there is out there. And uh, went and seeked out all the who I thought were some of the best hitting minds in the country and tried to find them and work with them and pick their brains. And, you know, honestly, I just, as a player, I was just trying to acquire as much information as I possibly could. And then as I was doing that, I, I started to realize that, you know, I really enjoyed sharing that information with my teammates, uh, really just trying to help guys. And I started to realize I, and I enjoyed that more than I did trying to get better myself, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it kind of started there on my own journey to try to figure out my own swing. Um, and then kind of just kept going from there, really enjoyed it. And it's, so I still, uh, I'm still learning to this day.
5: Who are some of the gurus, I guess, that you subscribe to?
4: Oh, oh, There's a lot of guys out there that I've learned from. Um, obviously Lake is <laughs> Lake is one of them. Lake and, uh, Craig Wallenbrock out in California. Um, Bobby Tewksbury up in, um, Nashua, uh, New Hampshire worked with him quite a bit. Um, Guy Ryan Parker, who is with the Angels now. There's there was a lot of guys that I had an opportunity to work with, and I was uh, I was really fortunate because there were some, you know, this was kind of the beginning of the new wave of uh, all the hitting stuff that's out there, you know. So I was kind of exposed to it relatively early, um, and I was able to kind of grasp it and experiment with stuff as as I was playing and figure out what worked and what didn't and things like that. So. So yeah, it was definitely a val- valuable uh, learning experience for me.
5: What would you say has been the biggest change or the biggest evolution since those early days that you started working with them and hitting?
4: Ooh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, honestly, I would say that the biggest thing for me is as a player, I was, I was very, you know, I was obsessed with the mechanics of the swing, the biomechanics, um, you know, things like that were really what I was focused on. And, uh, over time, I started to realize that, I guess, honestly, right when I finished playing, I realized that I was, I was missing some really important pieces. I read a book called Game Changer by um, Dr. Fergus Connolly, where he kind of outlines this like huge um, player development model for all sports. And he talks about these 4 coactives. So he says you've got the technical, which is your, your mechanics, things like that. You've got the physiological, so strength, movement capabilities, things like that. Um, then you've got the, the uh, tactical. So you're in a baseball context, that would be your approach, you know, how you're approaching each pitcher. And then you've got the psychological. And he basically describes how all these four coactives interact and they're codependent that you need, you need, you can't have one without the other to be an effective player. So I think for me that the biggest thing was realizing that you can't just focus on the mechanics. You have to really have a, a holistic view of the player to really figure out what they need. And, and what's best for them.
5: How does that come into play on a daily basis when you're working with the Mariners?
4: Oh, it comes into play a lot. So I mean, when, uh, for example, if, you know, if I do see something mechanically with a player, um, I'll never start by just addressing the mechanical thing. First, I'm going to go to our, you know, um, our ATC, our uh, strength guys, and talk to them and see, OK, is this a move that this guy is capable of making to, based on his movement capabilities? Um, is there anything that pops up on, you know, his movement screens when he's doing stuff in the weight room? Do you see this pattern from him when he squats, when he deadlifts, things like that? Um, so it, it's, really, uh, it's really trying to just, you know, use the people around me to help and uh, get a better understanding of, you know, who that player is, how they move and, you know, if they're capable of doing the things that I'm asking them to do, if that makes sense.
5: A lot of the things that you're saying are things that Kyle Seeger has talked about in the last year. Can you kind of take us through his progression and how, where he was and how he's gotten to where he is today?
4: Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Siegs is a, Seegs is a really advanced hitter and a really smart guy over time. I think he's really cleaned up the way his body works. Um, He's able to rotate a lot better now than he has than he did in years prior. Um, And, you know, he's, he's got a really good understanding of what, he needs at this point he's very good at uh self-diagnosing and knowing you know when things are going wrong when x is happening i can go to y um and he's he's very very advanced with that so in terms of over the past few years i i can't really speak for more than you know last season just because i hadn't been with him prior to that but just watching from afar at that point seeing the way that his body's cleaned up seeing the way that he's moving now i think he's moving better than ever and you know i think that's going to really give him a lot more time you know he's going to It's going to extend his career by quite a bit by doing that work. So it's definitely a good move by him.
5: All right, let's get into some of those hitters. And let's start with Kyle Lewis. What is Kyle Lewis at the plate right now?
4: It's been unbelievable to watch. It's been really exciting. And I think, all honestly, all we're seeing is the Kyle Lewis that's always been there. You know, if you look at some of his numbers when he was in Arkansas last year, he was extremely, extremely unlucky. And you look at some of his batted ball numbers, his contact quality, it was as good as anyone in baseball. And he was just getting out because it's a tough place to hit and balls get caught up in the air and, you know, whatever. But I think we're now, the world is seeing the the Kyle Lewis that has always been there and granted, he's made a few adjustments that I think are really going to help him over time and that are obviously paying off right now. Kyle is an incredibly, incredibly smart hitter. He's very, very aware of what he's doing and, uh, I think this is just this is just the beginning for him.
5: Are these adjustments that he's made recently or are these adjustments that he made about a year ago?
4: I would say at the end of last season, there was a few adjustments that he wanted to make um, and he made them throughout the offseason, took him into spring training, and then even over quarantine kind of made a few little tweaks to, uh, to clean some stuff up. So he's, uh, he's been moving really well lately, really, really well.
5: He's a little standing up a little bit more at the plate? Yep. Is that what he's doing yep. right now? Okay, okay. His approach is what really gets me. I mean, when he talked about in the first intrasquad game, it seemed like he had a scouting report and he went in with a plan. In his yeah. first intra-squad at bats, I mean, to me that said that he feels so good about what he's doing, he didn't have to do anything else at that point other than have that approach.
4: No doubt no doubt. He's very convicted and very committed in what he does. Um, he's really advanced, too. I think there's some things approach-wise that he could maybe improve on. He's, but uh, for the most part, I think he is extremely committed to his plan. And you know that is priority number one. If you're not committed, then it doesn't really matter what your plan is. But Kyle, is, he's an advanced hitter, and he understands what pitchers are trying to do to him. And he's He's really taking advantage right now. There's a a few things that I think he can do a little differently approach-wise that could help him him out there. But, yeah, for the most part, I think he's always going to have some swing and miss. I think it will get better over time as he continues to mature as a hitter.
5: Somebody who's not with the team right now but is not too far is Jared Kelnick. What do you want him to get out of the experience down in Tacoma?
4: Oh, man. I I actually just texted him right before – right when we broke camp, actually, and just told him, you know, he – Jared thinks he's the best player on the field at all times. And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't want him to think any differently. That's part of what makes him who he is and part of what makes him really, really talented and really good. Um, But I I really challenged him to, to get the most out of his teammates down there. Um, I have no doubts in my mind that Jared Kelnick's is going to go down there and, and work really, really hard because that's who he is. He's at a point where I think a lot of people respect him. A lot of other guys in the clubhouse really do think that, you know, they value his opinion and, He's he's a leader, you know, so I think the best thing he can do down there is really, you know, be who he is, work work his tail off like we know he's going to, and then get the most he can out of his teammates, make it as competitive as possible, because there's going to be days down there where it's going to be a lull, you know, you're not playing different teams, you're playing against the same guys over and over and over, but I really challenge him to like keep the competitiveness up and, you know, keep challenging his teammates to get better every day.
5: Well, it has been absolutely fantastic to watch, Jared. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you.